Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for taking this time to be with me today. I love this time with you, so I'm looking forward to this. Uh, the power panel is uh, assembling as I speak. Uh, they're all coming in at various times today. I've got Pastors Tom Brock and Tom Parrish with me, and Dr. Peter Kapsner should be joining me as well as 007, uh, time permitting. So we'll find out exactly who's going to assemble. I love it that they show up when they can. <laughs> And always makes it interesting. Uh, so we want to know what your questions are. Send them over right away, 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. Gentlemen, welcome. Hi, Bill. Okay. Always good Boy, to be here, loud. Bill. you got to turn the volume down. Hi, Bill. That's much better. All right. <laughs> Let's clean up a little bit of business from previous uh, episodes like last week. Uh, first of all, you guys both enjoyed your lefsa. Loved it. Yeah, it's terrific. Did. That's good stuff. I right. had fun with that. Good, good. So that's a big thanks to... Uh, the lady who makes it. M- Mrs. Olson's left side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Another uh, 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 email came in from a listener that was concerned about how we discussed the vaccines uh, linked to abortion and aborted fetuses. And the question was uh, about did the pastors suggest that uh, we should not uh, receive the vaccine if they had come from aborted fetuses. And I think both of you guys had said you would prefer not to, but Mm -hmm. you're happy to wait for another vaccine that comes Mm -hmm. out whose research did not involve aborted fetuses. That's right. Yep, not a problem. You know, if we can get to that point, there are many companies out there working on vaccines and uh, we are not against the vaccines. I've been vaccinated many times in my life. I, I would get it right now if it didn't have a connection to st- uh, stem cells from aborted babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and if you want a whole half an hour of this, go to pastorstudy.org and look at the COVID show. The problem is with that show that I did, we thought Novavax was going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Turns out, no, they like Pfizer not in the creation of, but in the experimentation, the experimenting to see if it works. Use those uh, aborted stem cell lines. So I don't want to get Novavax either. So there, there is another one in the line mm-hmm. that is supposed to be okay. And I personally, I'm not telling everybody you have to do this or you're sinning. You have to struggle that one out with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But I personally want to wait. And I think the panel uh, s- expressed that. They're all in favor of vaccines. Oh, yeah, yeah. I am. Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. After World War II, this was the dilemma that America and Europe faced because there were so many experiments done in the concentration camps by the Nazis. And the dilemma was, do we use the data that the Nazis collected from the mm. terrible things they did to those people, Ooh. or do we simply destroy them? The truth is, some of it was used by some countries. Others of it was actually destroyed. And it was a big, big issue, ethical issue, and I still think this is a big issue today. Whether it is one abortion or one million abortions, 
This still is a child created in the image of God, and we have to be wise about this. And this, I'm not saying this is my position because I don't think it is, but the person I interviewed for that COVID show, Roman Catholic, and he said the Catholic teaching is that if you've got an alternative, take it. Mm-hmm. But if you're a healthcare worker and they're requiring you to, to get this Pfizer vaccine, um, he, he wasn't willing to say that's necessarily wrong. But if you've got a better alternative, take it. Sure. All right. Let's jump into questions again. We'd love to hear from you. Let me know what topics, issues, questions you would like to discuss. Again, the number is 877-933-2484. I was looking at the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, which is the, uh, the great faith chapter. And we're talking about faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is defined as the assurance of things hoped for. Mm-hmm. What things? First John 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And I think you can be saved and go to heaven without having what's called the assurance of your salvation. But I wouldn't want to live my life that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I, when I understood First John five thirteen, when I was about twenty years old, that you can know for sure because of Christ that you are saved. That changed my life. Yeah. So that's the big one that we know by by the promises mm-hmm. of God is our salvation. And also, you know, with the Bible and John talks, Jesus says, "Now this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God, and Jesus the Christ whom you have sent." And it's in this knowing. The Lord. It's not simply believing in Him. It is knowing Him in the intimacy of a marriage, because the church is called the the uh, bride. I mean, the uh, bride, of bride mm-hmm. and of course the Lord is called the uh, groom. Right. Right. So right. there's that imagery there that I think is very important, and that's one of the big things of faith. Who is your confidence in? I hear people say you got to have more faith, and I'm thinking, how do I have more faith in Jesus? Either I do or I don't trust Him. It's not a matter of having more faith. It's a matter of where that faith is put. All right, let me ask this. Faith is defined as the conviction of things not seen. What is the writer talking about here? Well, I think the the image that that writer in Hebrews uses is we know that God made the world out of things, out of nothing. Mm -hmm. And it was created by his word. So there's unseen things that came about, um, and we have faith that that's the way God made the universe. Well, think about it this way, guys. Why do you believe in Jesus? Have you met him? Has he spoken directly to you like he did to, to Paul, Paul on the road to Damascus? Mm-hmm. For most of us, we have to say no. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen. Why do we believe? We believe because of the witness that's come down to us and the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. And when I see the assurance of things not seen, it's the assurance that Jesus is who he said he was, that the promises he gave are real, mm-hmm. that we can bank literally our eternity on it, And that's where we're headed ultimately is to eternity. I've been at the bedside of a lot of people that are uh, dying, and they have told me, I never realized how short life was, Pastor. Here I am. I'm 75, 80, 85 years old. I'm dying. And I thought I had forever when I was young. Mm -hmm. Why didn't I understand eternity or at least take that into consideration a lot more? So that's something that we've got to keep talking about. Mm -hmm. A listener jumped in uh, relative to the vaccine and she said, what was meant for evil, God turned it for good. 
In terms of vaccines, the polio vaccine was used on developmentally disabled children without permission mm. during their research phase. Some died. I didn't and know yet, that. And yet we all take the polio vaccine. Wow. I didn't know that. I have smart listeners. You do. I mean, pretty smart panelists, <laughs> but and, and, really smart listeners. And I agree with your listener. I do. But here's the dilemma we're caught between. On the one hand, it's just going ahead and doing it and justifying it because I have a need as compared to where did this ultimately come from? And how do we stop it from coming right. from those sources That's right. unwittingly in the future so that we don't use children? We don't use black people as with the Tuskegee experiments and things like that. When do we stop doing that kind of stuff and say, no, I'll only wait until yep. it's something that we can reasonably talk I, about? I'm glad at least we're having this discussion. I haven't seen anything on the national news even raising the question about what about aborted stem cells. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen it on the ABC Evening News. You know, I, uh, Christians are concerned about it, but it's like, is anybody asking this question? Have you ever had the privilege of meeting someone who was aborted but survived? I've met uh, two people in my yeah. ministry. They were both aborted um, and survived the abortion. And uh, I heard one, he was a speaker, and I got to talk to him afterward. What impressed me so much on that is how those two are the most fervent people for life you've ever run into. They said because they recognized they're created unique, and their mothers came to recognize how unique they are, too, as they grew Mm -hmm. up. And to this day, the one guy said, my mother still cries thinking about that day she almost had the abortion and stopped like five minutes before it was going to happen, and that's me. And Bill, do you want to quote what Stevie Nicks said? Um, well, she, in a 2019 uh, interview, I think at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, said that she was grateful for abortion. Had she gone through with her pregnancy, uh, Fleetwood Mac might not have been to the world what it was. Mamma mia. Yeah. That's a different band. Uh. <laughs> you know, my, my dad lived a, a pretty... Pretty good life and never heard Fleetwood Mac and survived quite well, yeah, no as kidding. well as millions around the world. Now, I love Fleet, Fleetwood Mac. I do. But that's the most irrational argument well, I've I ever mean, heard. I remember a, a woman came to my church from Robbinsdale Women's Center, a pro-life uh, clinic, and she said she had an abortion. Years and years later, she's looking down into the face of her little baby in the cradle at Christmas time, and it dawned on her what she did to her first child. There's a there that said to me, you can do this act and not really totally know anything's wrong with it until the Lord opens your eyes. Mm-hmm. All right, let me take a little break. You're listening to Guy Talk and the power panel is in place, so let us know what your questions are. 877-933-2484. Again, 877-933-2484. And if you have a comment or you'd like something that you heard clarified, we're obviously open to all of that as well. 877-93-FAITH. Be right back.
All right, welcome back to the show. Guy Talk is happening. We've got pastors Tom Brock, Tom Parrish. I think Dr. Peter Kapsner is not joining us today. I don't think he feels very well, so I will pray for him. Let me pause. Done. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he should be better right now. He should be better. Absolutely. Yeah. And then another comment came in, so thank you for this comment. Uh, Bill, there are various people, groups that are anti-vaxxers and have evidence to back their decision. Therefore, to each his, her own regarding personal health decisions. We should respect both sides of the topic and love our neighbor as ourselves, even if they have the opposing views on said topic. God bless. I believe I agree with that completely. Yep, as well. I'm not in any hurry to get a vaccine. Big stuff. We got to like, well, you can believe Jesus isn't God and I can believe he is and we can all still sing hymns. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, on big stuff, we've got to not sing Kumbaya, but on, on difficult moral issues, it's. We got to have some grace. I think the goal of the Christian is always to listen to the other person, understand the perspective, affirm what is logical and we can agree with. But if there becomes that big rift about who Jesus is or about what purpose of life is or absolute truth, then we have to wisely and gently step into that. The only time I've gotten what I would call um, emotional people, Mm -hmm. is that the right word, is basically when they absolutely will not listen and they start arguing back unreasonably. Up to that point, I have had such good times with people that are atheists, agnostics, Mm -hmm. talking to them about the gospel, challenging them, and that's what we need to be doing. Mm -hmm. Getting lots of comments. Uh, This is an issue that people are are emotional about, concerned about, want to dig in, so that's great. Some of the comments are quite long, so probably I can't read all of them, but... Edit, Bill. Edit. I got to edit while I... (laughs) In the middle of a live show here. Let me see here. I'll sing. Yeah. Um, I'm just catching the tail end of your conversation about the COVID vaccine having stem cells from aborted babies. Just curious where I can get that information because prior to having my vaccine, I did inquire about it. And I and I know what I looked up and said that they did not use stem cells from aborted babies. Not in the production. Not in the production. But in the, if, in the if, testing. If, if I can make a plug, pastorstudy.org, hit the button that says the... COVID interview, mm-hmm. and you'll get a half an hour talk on this, and it'll give you about three or four websites that'll explain all this. All right. Thank you for those comments. Um, my concern regarding the vaccine is the mRNA technology, which is not tested fully for a vaccine. Also, there have been concerns about an overactive autoimmune response from the vaccine and also placenta issues from women who are either pregnant or want to become pregnant. So, That's beyond my yeah. grade, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel that the government is pushing it, and a lot of people are feeling pressure to take it without researching it fully. Thank you. Okay. So, yeah, that's good. Um, all right, let's move on to a different topic, if that's good with you guys. Mm-hmm. Let's look at a powerful verse out of John chapter 14 that Jesus said in verse 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give it to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Now, first of all, what an amazing verse. Mm -hmm. I don't give it as the world gives. I'm going to give you my personal peace. Mm -hmm. All right. So listeners are saying, I want this piece. How do I get it? Part of it is you have to, I I would ask and I would not avoid difficult 
difficulties in my life. I have found that through the difficulties, the challenges of life is where I am more in tune with Jesus, his presence, his peace, his love. When things are going well, even as a, a Christian pastor, there's this tendency not to need Jesus as much as I do when suddenly I realize I've got a heart problem or suddenly I realize I have cancer. So I would say to this person, you know, embrace what comes your way. Keep asking the Lord to bring that peace and uh, just wait upon him. He will bring that peace if you ask for it. And I've seen many, many people receive that peace, but they usually had to go through some difficulties that the Lord wanted to root out of their life or they had to face. And I just got done reading about uh, Christians under persecution in Europe. And the crazy part was the happiest people in Europe Mm -hmm. were those Christians in prison who were beaten and treated terribly, and yet they had a joy and a peace they could not explain. It was in the trial that the Lord really showed up. And I was thinking similarly, I think we need to get to the place where we really think about and ask God's help to be willing to die for Christ. Absolutely. And that will bring me peace. I mean, I was thinking if they over, if the government overthrows the Hyde Amendment so that our federal tax dollars go to pay for abortions, which is what they pledged to do if they got in power, boy, we got to pray that doesn't happen. Does that? Am I willing to not pay my taxes and go to jail for the sake of Christ? And I, I, I'm not saying at this point we do that because Romans 13 does say to pay your taxes, but I'm just thinking hypothetically. Well, I've got this nice little house, and I like it. And I like the garage sale junk I've bought over the years. <laughs> and I, I don't want to give all that up. And But, you know, I, it, I, you only live once. You might as well live for Christ. We're going to die anyway. If We might as well die for Christ. And I, I'd have to pray through, Lord, give me the willingness to go to jail and leave it all behind if I have to. Well, here's what I found. And that's peace. What, what that you, would bring you peace. What you're not willing to give up in this world for the sake of knowing Jesus is what will always get in your way from finding the peace of God. The way you find that peace of God is to be willing to sacrifice everything you have and make Jesus the priority. And, you know, I love a T-shirt I saw. He who dies with the most toys still dies. (laughs) I like that. I also like the saying, you've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. So there you go. Well, I thought of a response to that. He who dies with the most toys force his family to have the biggest garage sale. <laughs> which is something you'd want to you attend. You better believe it. Yeah. All right, here's a listener that is uh, offering a little bit of uh, counsel. Almost this listener could be part of the panel today. Okay. This is lovely. We need to counsel and educate those whom experienced church hurt. So, dear new uh, unbeliever who has experienced church hurt, I apologize for that experience. However, please don't gauge the actions of a man as a blanket experience in determining the characteristics of Christianity, but rather follow the example of Christ. Christian people will fail you just like any other group of people. However, please don't let that stop you from becoming a Christian because Jesus was perfect, loves you, and he is the one we are called to imitate. Good word. Look at that. I thought I was short a panelist. Can't argue with that. I thought I was short a panelist today, but I'm clearly not. (laughs) It's wonderful. Yeah. But if you're listening, you're done. And that's all true. I shouldn't say that. We we need to add add this, though. Don't get your feelings hurt and use that as your excuse never to go to church again. I mean, Tom, you were a pastor many years, so have I been. I get my feelings hurt by church members regularly. But I can't let the fact that somebody is mean to me keep me from my duty. Uh, Hebrews commands us to be in church. Do you realize that we're still losing 
This, I got this information from Dobson. I actually called them a couple of years ago, and it's still going on. We're losing about 1,200 to 1,500 pastors a month to the Christian ministry mm-hmm. because they're getting beat up so bad. Mm-hmm. They're so confused by what's going on. They're leaving to go do completely different work. Yeah. And I think the reality for me is if it wasn't for my sense of calling from Jesus Absolutely. and serving him, I would probably walk out on the church right. you know, on any given Sunday because there's always going to be somebody there that drives me nuts. And the Apostle Paul said, Woe be to me if I do not preach the gospel. Yeah. And there are many days I want to, you know, hightail it to Florida and retire. But woe be to me if I do that. <laughs> right. I've had circumstances when I realized after the fact that something I have done has not been pleasing to God. Obviously, I can ask God for forgiveness. Do you think God forgives us when we have remorse? Well, Judas had remorse. That's right. He didn't repent. Mm-hmm. Peter had remorse and repented. There you go. So, yeah, you've got to you've got to go beyond the remorse to the actual bringing it before the Lord and laying it at His feet. And Paul talks about worldly sorrow that leads to death, godly sorrow that means leads to life. Yep. Ju- Judas had the worldly sorrow that led to death. Peter had the godly sorrow that led to repentance. All right. Here's another question. Will you explain what the view that says Jesus has already come using the Book of Revelation? There are many, many. Here's the problem with the end times and using Revelation, Daniel, Ezekiel. There are so many different beliefs out there. I I had somebody come up to ask me, and they said to me one day, are you a pre-millennial Christian? And my response was, which one of the 12? Uh Because there are 12 subgroups underneath all that, too, that have different viewpoints and different, and they won't associate with one another because of that. What I tell people is... um, Jesus is going to come again, and he may come today in the clouds, but when I die, that's it. He's coming. That particular point of view uh, is an old view that's been around for a long time that really sees the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. as the the ultimate coming of Jesus. The second coming. Yeah, Yeah. they claim the second coming. No. I don't buy that, although there's... There's historical record on it of people saying they saw chariots in the clouds and they saw the presence of the Lord. Um, I'm not going there. What I'm saying is is that Jesus said he'll return. I take him at his word. I don't know how it all works out, but he will. And this is something we need to uh, just, when I see a statement of faith in the church and they give a statement, we believe in the pre-tribulation rapture. Okay, but is that something you want in your statement of faith that I need to believe this, to, you know, to be part of your church? Let's give some grace for people not believing quite like we do on the second coming. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right, let me yeah. take a little break. You're listening to Guy Talk. Power panel today is Pastors Tom Brock and Tom Parrish, and they are open to your questions. And we've got some great ones coming in with hopefully lots more on the way. Send them over via text 
Welcome back to the show. Guide Talk is happening, and great questions are coming in. Let me know what they are, 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. All right, let's see, I got some questions here. Hmm, let's see. When a Christian was not a Christian, got married, then divorced, okay? Now a Christian, and love the Lord with all my heart. May I marry with God's blessing? Who do you want to go first on this one, Bill? Uh, let's see. Eeny, meeny, miny, moe. <laughs> one of the Toms. Ah! Let's go ahead and okay, start go first. I just preached on this today, Bill. There's three kinds of pastors. One is a pastor who says divorce is not the unforgivable sin. There's forgiveness after divorce. And pastor number one would marry someone to a new person for basically any reason because God's forgiving. Pastor number two would say... The only exception for remarriage is if your spouse was cheating on you, Matthew 19, they think. And so under the circumstance of adultery, you can get divorced and remarried. Pastor number three believes Matthew 19 and 1 Corinthians 7 allows for divorce uh, in a, a few circumstances like desertion in 1 Corinthians 7 or uh, adultery in Matthew 19. But pastor number three would say, okay, if, if you must, you can get divorced, but no remarriage. I'm in, I'm in category number three. That's okay. the way I see it. Okay. Tom Parrish? I'm, I'm in all three. <laughs> Not really. Oh. No. What it comes down to is this. Before someone becomes a Christian, they don't have the law. They don't have the knowledge of the Lord's will. None of those things. Uh, you know, if you were a rapist, God forbid, before you became a Christian, does that mean you should never get married because you already became one flesh with another woman? Most of us would not endorse that. We would say, praise God, you got out of prison, and you're living the life for Christ now, and we really support you. When I've had people come to me under these circumstances, I would usually say to this gentleman, what's happened to your first spouse? Is she remarried? Is she still single? How about if you give yourself several months and I'll work with you to try to restore that relationship. If that relationship will not be restored and she will not come to Christ in that process, then we can honestly talk about, you know, a new person that seems to love you and you love them. Um, I can, the, Okay, go ahead. The, the blessed thing of all this is simply that I'm the product of a mother whose first husband tried to kill her, and she divorced him, and then my dad married her when he came home from World War II. I would not be here. If that hadn't happened, now that doesn't mean that makes it right. I want to clarify. Is that an argument for no, or against no, remarriage? Yeah, it depends on who you talk to. But at the same time, the Lord is never dismayed by this, and the Lord is abundant in terms of wanting to forgive. Now it's a different matter. Here's where it gets to be a problem: when you're a professing Christian and your spouse is a professing Christian, and then you get divorced because you want something better or you want to go elsewhere. That's a whole different ball game. Okay. And I have a whole di- and then I'm in a place with those people I say you need to stay single. Mm-hmm. You know, you are you have really spurned the Lord in this and you can't do that. I'm a little stickier on this because in Matthew 18 or 19, I always get those confused. In Matthew 18 or 19, the Pharisees say, "Can we get divorced for any reason?" and Jesus says, "Just for adultery." The problem is the word is fornication, but He's saying that to the Pharisees, 
who were not believers. They were covenant people. Yes, they were. Well, they were not believers. When I mean, when you say... There were no believers, Tom, well, until after right, Jesus right, rose from the I, dead. I, because Jesus said that to the Pharisees, I think God's rule for marriage is for everybody, okay. believer or unbeliever. Okay, I understand your logic. Yeah. My yeah. logic on that would be those Gentiles that had no knowledge of the Lord and no understanding... We're not under the covenant and under obligation. But Paul says the Gentiles had the law written on their heart. That's different. Yeah. yeah well, I agree and, with that. And so I think Jesus said from the beginning, God made the male and female a man and a woman. And that's the way God made us. So I think the rules are this. I mean, Tom, if I rape somebody and I become a believer, I'm still going to go to jail. Right. And that's the way God's world works. I often wonder, why did the Lord tolerate David and Solomon with all their wives and concubines? And yet we don't hear anything in Scripture where the Lord criticizes that no. on their part. And that really bothers me because we don't have a definitive answer. And let's be realistic. There are some people that can go through life, such as you, Tom, and be single. And praise God for that. But there are many people that can't. They need a partner. And I know if I didn't have my wife in my life, I would not be, hopefully, the Christian I want to be. I would not be following Jesus the way I am. Uh, because she is not only there to support me, she's there to smack me upside of the head when I'm wrong. Uh, I'm just thinking if there's somebody listening to this and you're divorced and you really want to get remarried, just read 1 Corinthians 7 slowly. Is it Matthew 18 or 19 that does the the, the, the divorce chapter? Okay. I think it's 19. Read Matthew 19, 1 Corinthians 7, and you pray it through on whether you believe you're free to remarry after a divorce. Yeah. Okay. This is... Uh, a comment that will probably require some pastoral counseling, all right? Um, my occasional inability to control my tongue. <laughs> At times, something triggers could be deep wounds, I think, and I impulsively blurt out a stream of vitriol cursing. Then within minutes, I cool down, but totally regret my language. It really bothers me deeply. That's what you call one of those deep-rooted sins usually comes from parents who swore or brothers or sisters or a whole generation. I mean, I grew up around carpenters. <laughs> those guys couldn't talk without swearing. I mean, that was just a normal language for those guys. I never sweared, not because I was somebody special, but what I recognized is that it was not the right thing to do. Even but, before you came to Christ? Even before I came to Christ. But I know deep down inside for some of these people, I have this ingrained sin where they swear. What I have always done with them is say, look, the next time you do that, shorten the time between when you do it and when you repent and you ask the people to forgive you that you said that to. And keep shortening that until you extinguish it by the power of the Holy Spirit. Good. Because most of us can't get over a sin just like that. No. We need a process. And so, and I, I also told them, I said, next time you do that, and the guy was willing to do it, I said, you give me a call and tell, you, tell me how long it took you to, before you repented. And we did this for six months. Mm -hmm. I was getting a call every third day mm -hmm. with this guy. Then it got to be a week. Then it got to be two weeks. Yeah. And finally, after six months, he said, I can't, I don't do this anymore, Pastor. Well, one of the reasons I don't use e evil words toward people is because then I know I'm going to have to go back and apologize to them. I don't want to do that. And that really is one impetus for me not sinning so I don't have to go back and apologize. Well, and we then have to give an account to Jesus yeah, for how amen. we represented That's him. That's what he said. You will, render, you will render account for every careless word utter. And I would say to our, our caller there about, you know, the book of James says, quote, no one can tame the tongue. Right. So this morning I, I had to tape some uh, sermons, TV shows today, 
and then I needed to come here to do the radio show, I prayed before I left the house, Lord, control my tongue. Every word on TV may it be from you. Control everybody in our team on the radio. May all of our words be from you, because I don't want to lead people astray, but I have to pray that regularly. Now, maybe this listener is doing that, but if you don't pray in the morning, Lord, tame my tongue, because I can't. That's a good daily prayer to pray. Good way to start. Yeah. Another listener said, can the panel, can you get the panel's opinion also if you had a spouse who was abusive to you? My ex was terribly abusive to me and our child, both physically and emotionally due to her mental health. I still struggle with leaving her, but in the long run, I'm much safer by doing so. I did remarry after about five years, after my ex-wife has passed away, but hearing some of the pastor's words kind of brings back that struggle for me. Well, it's, a, it's you're in a good struggle. I mean, I don't want to sound trite, but you're in a good struggle because you're caught between the earthly realm and the heavenly realm. And when you feel that pull of the Lord on you saying, should I have done something different? Was that the right thing to do? Not that it's going to hurt, you know, follow you the rest of your life. But to begin to look at that, the biggest key here is this. Your spouse has died, so you can remarry. That's not a biblical problem. But now how do you teach people to do that in your family? And how do you teach the people around you so that they don't repeat these patterns? And if they have someone who is abusive, some of those people are mentally ill, some are just simply narcissistic, Mm -hmm. and I've run into those kind of people. Uh, some people, most people can't handle that. And I'm not critical of that at all. And I've had to step into those situations. You know, we talk about they need to take uh, psychologists out with the police now. Well, I've been in those situations as a pastor. And I'll tell you, I mean, I'm six foot tall and 250 pounds. I don't want to be there. It's a rough one. But on the other hand, I understand the dilemma. And I'm not critical of this gentleman at all. And Mm -hmm. when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, don't get divorced, but if you do, stay single. Maybe if you do, I mean, I think if somebody's life is in danger, you you get the person out of the house. You don't have to live in that. Right. So I'm guessing Paul would say, okay, don't get divorced, but if something like that happens and you have to, stay single. Yeah, but the problem is with our judicial system today, and I've worked with the courts, I've worked with people, I've worked with, you know, sociologists and others. It's very hard to get somebody committed. It's very hard to get somebody out of the house until they do something so bad Mm -hmm. that the police have to intervene. And usually they assault the police too, which is probably a good (laughs) thing so that they get out of that mess. But it's very, very hard. And so most people get trapped. Most of the women I've worked with that were abused, I offered them safety. I offered them hiding places. I offered them all kinds of counseling and help. And the problem was they were so trapped in it, they would say to me, well, he really didn't mean it. I said, you've told me he's been doing this to you for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I think he means it. But you get trapped. It's a demonic type thing. I see people get caught in that. And it's very hard. That's why we need to support one another way beyond the Sunday morning worship service mm-hmm. uh, to where we really talk to one another and listen. Mm-hmm. I would say we've opened up a little bit of some uh, wounds for people. And Pastor Tom Parrish, would you pray for all the people who might sure be will. in a place of uh, feeling a little bit of turmoil? Hear this word of the Lord. He definitely loves you. We all have gone through great trials and stupid things and made great mistakes. But regardless of what we faced, regardless of what abuse we faced, Jesus wants to put his arms around you right now 
tell you how much he loves you and that he's created you for a purpose. And that purpose is to be a blessing to those that you touch in your life. So, Lord, we trust in you for this. Bring comfort and peace to those listening. Amen. Thank you. We'll take a little break. When we come back, uh, more Guy Talk. Let us know what questions you have for us. There's some great ones coming in. 877-933-2484. Guy Talk just got this lovely text from a listener, and it's related back to the, our discussion on the on the COVID vaccine. But this is good because it's an article that came from John Hopkins, and the listener is a doctor. So I will read it quickly. Confusion arose when a false report surfaced on social media saying that the spike protein on this coronavirus was the same as another spike protein called synth. Thysin 1 that is involved in the growth and attachment of the placenta during pregnancy. The false report said that getting the COVID-19 vaccine would cause a woman's body to fight this different spike protein and affect her fertility. The two spike proteins are completely different and distinct, and getting the COVID-19 vaccine will not affect the fertility of women who are seeking to become pregnant, including those in vitro fertilization methods. During the Pfizer vaccine test, 23 women volunteers involved in the study became pregnant, and the only one who suffered a pregnancy loss had not received the actual vaccine but a placebo. Wow. So thank you for that. That's lovely uh, information. Appreciate that very much. Facts are wonderful things. They are good. All right, so here's one. I love this. I'd like to tell you that I failed with how I acted toward a store clerk recently. Yes, I would rather not do that. And I'd rather not have to go and apologize, but God really used that apology to encourage this store employee. Wow. What a great story. Yeah. Wow. That's the way it should be. I had to do that once, too. I, when I was 18, I stole some stuff from Ward's department store, which used to exist. And uh, two years later, got convicted, went back to take the $25. And you didn't get convicted by the police. It took two years. You Tom. took spiritual conviction, right? <laughs> that, was, sure. that was it. Okay. And so two years later, I'm sitting in a Bill Gothard Institute, and the Lord may bring to your mind a sin you need to be reconciling. So I take the money to Ward's toy department, and, and Mr., I stole $25 worth of Oh, no, you need to go to the uh, head general manager. And I just shook. And I, I went, and I sat in his office sweating, and he comes in. <laughs> he, he comes in and well my name is Tom Rock I used to work here and I stole $25 so here's here it is and he says to me you must be a Christian or something I said yes I am and he said my parents are Christians and you could tell by the way he said it that he wasn't but his mom and dad have been and and I think me restoring that money to them to him kind of made him think yeah you know so because it's all too rare mm-hmm so good for you. Mm-hmm. Another lovely comment. I had a good conversation with a lady born in a Hindu family. She does not practice Hinduism, but she would rather look to science for her answers about God. I shared with her that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and that she would, and she said she would rather have faith in me because she could see me rather than in a God that she cannot see. 
I kept going to Scripture, but she kept coming back to that. I told her I would let her down, but God never would. Well, you know, it's funny, and I hear what she's saying. If she really believes in science, 90% of what she believes in, she can't see. You can't see a virus, you know, in that sense, like we normal people can't. And so with the Lord, and I've always said this to people, Jesus is the greatest scientist that lives. Listen to what he has to say. He really understands the universe, and he understands life. The problem is, has she even really looked at the Bible and really looked at what Jesus has to say? I was sitting next to a doctor on a plane, and he found out I was a pastor, and he said, well, I became a Christian in med school. And I said, what converted you? And he said, when I started to study how intricately designed the human body is, I had to conclude there is a designer. And I, you know, I just can't imagine looking at this universe, how complex, wonderfully, you know, the the planets get out of align a little bit and everything blows up. I mean, we've been, the way this thing is designed, I can't imagine concluding it all came about by nothingness, you know? One of the best statements I ever heard was, if you believe that it's all by chance, and this all happened through the evolutionary process, then you could also believe that if you give yourself a million years and a tornado went through the junkyard every day, sooner or later you're going to get a completely equipped 747 jet to fly in. Yeah. And the human body is much more complex yeah, than a 747. I just, to me, atheism takes a lot more faith than Christianity does. <laughs> All right, this goes back to a discussion we had about a listener that struggled with uh, cursing and bad language. And a listener said, I was taught that minced oaths are wrong. Words like golly, gosh, darn, heck are all words that fall into that category. I think we've touched on this before. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not a fan of those words, and mm-hmm. I, I try to encourage guests when they come on and use expressions at the break. I say, hey, would you not use that expression? <laughs> I just don't like it. Yeah. But, and the balance here is not to come off as a super legalistic person. No. I, but on the other hand, I remember saying darn it in a sermon once, and an old white-haired pastor took me aside. You know, Tom, probably best not to say darn it. I think his point was because it's a... Uh, a substitute for damn it, you know, mm-hmm. and so I, I, I don't even use. And the other thing, when people say, "Oh my gosh," what I when I hear somebody say, "Oh my God," and I think I did this twice today, I'll stop and pray for them. Mm-hmm. And you hear "Oh my God" a lot. You also hear "Oh my gosh," but it's so close you can hear "Oh my God." So I don't even say "Oh my gosh." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to stay away from that simply because I want my speech to be. As accurate as possible and mm-hmm. as honoring as possible. That's why I'm always amazed. I uh, I meet these uh, gentlemen who are married and they say, oh, I'd like you to meet the wife. That's like saying, gosh, or something. Does she have a name? Uh-huh. You know, wh- what's her name? We need to be careful with our language because language has great power and we just need to be wise with it. And yeah. if this woman is struggling with that background that she has and who knows where it all came from, again, you're not going to extinguish it overnight. But just keep talking to the Lord about it and say, I'm sorry, I don't want to go there. Please help me to stop doing this and watch the time shorten now when it happens. And wouldn't it just be like Satan to try to get us to use the words like hell and damned in everyday mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. to water them down? Yeah, of course. To, to diminish them yeah. to the point where it's just language that's used casually because right. those very words should make you shudder. Well, that's let me ask you this. I mean, I grew up in a house where dad said, ah, hell, a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's wrong with that? What's wrong with saying, oh, hell? 
Well, a lot. What do you think is wrong? Well, you are bringing that word, I don't even want to say the word back, Mm -hmm. you're bringing it into uh, conversation as a throwaway. Right. And if you start hearing it as a throwaway and start using it yourself, you're missing a very large boat. Mm Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, to me, the I mean, same thing, Bill. Hell is a real place. It's the most horrible place you can go. And to trivialize it by using the word flippantly in conversation, I, I don't think we want to go there. No. No, and the people that I have met who have had near-death experiences, a couple of them had hell experiences. Mm-hmm. And I have never seen people so pale mm-hmm. when they talk to me and tell me, if you think this is reality, Pastor, you should have been where I was. I never want to go back to yeah. there. And the thing that made the difference is this. You, you know, we've all had dreams that shook us up when we woke up in the morning for the first five minutes till we got a cup of coffee. But these people, if this is just a dream or an illusion, uh, it doesn't change your life. Yeah. These people's lives were changed from that point on and into eternity. And I've had this happen four or five times in my life where I wake up and it's just ringing in my head, there really is a hell. Mm -hmm. And it just, you know, it gets to me. There really is a place called hell and people who reject Christ end up there. Well, I I find it funny. People say, well, you know, hell is really earth, what what we're doing here. This is hell. You know, No. no, you have no idea what hell's about. Look at what Jesus said about it. He's deadly serious. Mm-hmm. You know, what we've been talking about a little bit about watching our tongue, I think of Col- Colossians 3.8, you must rid yourselves of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a good diagnostic. Yes. You know, what expressions do I use? And do I have to use them? And do I, you know, is it a, do you use them out of habit? And can you change your habits? Mm-hmm. Let there be no filthiness nor coarse jesting which are not fitting, but rather let there be thanksgiving. And Paul is saying there, get rid of, I think it's okay to joke, but get rid of the coarse jesting, the cutting humor, and replace it with thanksgiving. And I think that's kind of a, you got to not only get rid of the bad language, just replace it with something good like thanksgiving. Here's the problem I find, especially for most men. They do it unconsciously. It's just part of the the party atmosphere. It's part of what they're doing. It's just part of being one of the guys. They don't even think it through. Then they get married or then they have a family and they're still doing it and their kids are picking up Mm -hmm. on this language. Mm -hmm. That's where um, we need somebody in our life. In my case, it's my wife. If you're a single guy or gal, you need uh, a partner of some kind, a, a woman or a man who can hold you accountable. Because I say things that I'm not even conscious I've said until my wife says to me, honey, did you just hear what you said? Really? We need good, yeah. and we need good parents. Absolutely. To, I mean, I, I was six years old. I still have this clear memory. I'm six years old. My brother and I are running around the house. My brother runs around the corner and says, oh, hell. Mom. I went right to mom. Mark said, oh, hell. Mom took a, a bar of soap, r- washed his mouth out. And I remember Mark coming out, of, coming out of the bathroom crying, and he said, all I said was hello. <laughs> but the, we, I, I had the kind of mom where you did not say those words. And I think good parenting will, will do that. It's huge. Mm. Another listener said, I'm not sure it's a thing in other languages, but when it's our Savior's name is used as a curse, you can never convince me that isn't Satan's plan. Mm-hmm. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. Yeah. 
You uh, never hear people say "Oh, Buddha" when they stub their toe, mm-hmm. because and and you know that's, it's the same thing as how come you can talk about Buddhism, Hinduism, but you bring up the name of Jesus and everybody gets nervous who's not a believer. Acts four, Acts four, twelve. There's, What's that? No other name. There's no other name. There's there's no other name that has that kind of power. That's right. Yeah. Another listener said, "I, I this I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh." Mm-hmm. Galatians five sixteen. Yeah. Really nice. Thank you to all the great questions that came in. Those I, are great. I had another question that came in, and I'm going to answer this one uh, off topic uh, after we conclude. But um, do your panelists know of any good Christian sex therapist in the Twin Cities area? I've been very sexually abused, and I need help. So we'll find out if anybody's got resources on that, yep, and I will respond. Yeah. So, gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank that you, wraps Bill. up Guide Talk. I appreciate you guys being here and uh, all the great questions that came in from listeners. We'll take a little break. When we come back, we're going to continue our study into God's Word with Dr. Mark Muska. We're going to have a full hour with Ask the Professor. That's all ahead next. Oh, I like my studio. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.